Are you ready? This is Mark on the Mic on the A1 Sports Network. Bow to the masters. Break it down. How you doing, everybody, and welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show, courtesy of the A1 Sports Radio Network, courtesy of Zoom. I am Craig Moffat, and as always, this show would not be complete without the people's producer, the founder of the A1 Sports Radio Network, and I'm talking about, of course, Mr. Chris Clem. What's up, Craig? How you doing, man? Not good. Okay. Rough day. Not good. It's, it's been a rough, rough day. Last yesterday, mm-hmm. my, my car finally died. Ah. Oh. Died on me yesterday. Yep. We're not playing taps right now. The Undertaker theme song. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, I figured you'd have that queued up. Oh, it's it's yeah. It was not. It was just not good at all. I was like so tight too because it wasn't even. It was nothing I could have done to prevent this. You know, it just happened to it just happened to happen, my mechanic said. Like what did it do? It just fell apart at the last minute? What happened was I was driving it all day fine yesterday. I go down to the firehouse to go on a call. Whatever. I go I go to the firehouse, dude, that's done. So our chief asked, he's like, Yo, Chris, can you get a couple of guys who can pick up some pallets like around the corner or whatever? I was like, Yeah, sure, no doubt. So we get into one of the trucks that we have and we go off, get the pallets, come back, and we're like, All right, I was like, All right, I'm going home. Start the car. It's having a little time turning, a little tough time turning over, but it finally goes over. I'm like, oh, okay, it happens sometimes, you know. So I'm driving. I'm barely getting acceleration out of my car, and I see a puff of white smoke behind me. I was like, well, that's not good. So look, I was like, okay, let me call my mechanic. Tell him I'm coming in right now to have him check it out. I I had to go big a whole U-turn, so I had to cut back through the firehouse. And as I'm going through the firehouse, I'm getting no acceleration out of my car this time. Well, I'm like, great. I get to this, I get to, I'm just about to get onto the road to leave the firehouse now. And my car just dies on me. It just Damn. dies. It shuts off, whatever. I'm like, shit. So I turn the car off. I'm trying to turn it, I'm trying to turn it over. It's not turning over. It's not turning over. I try like a third, fourth time or whatever. And it, it just locks. The mo- it's locked. It's not turning over at all. I'm like, God damn it. So I, my mechanic tows it, tows it back to his shop. And he's like, yeah, your motor just locked on you. I was like, yeah, well, it happens. Well, I mean, rest in peace, I guess. I mean, right? Yeah, I should be playing. You know what? I'm going to bring up the Undertaker's music now. I'll tell you, we could play it on the way out. How about that? <laughs> we'll play it out. We'll just we'll do a moment of silence, of course, for Clem's car, and then we'll uh, we'll play the Undertaker theme song to call it a day. So yesterday, I had t- yesterday and today have been just complete disasters. So. Yesterday at around like one o'clock in the afternoon, my daughter's daycare center sends a message through an app that we have, that we use. And it basically was a letter saying, well, due to the COVID-19 restrictions, we no longer have the capacity that we originally did. So the funny thing was that tomorrow is the deadline to guarantee her a spot for September. Okay? Mm -hmm. So on Wednesday, I'm getting a letter from the daycare center saying spots are now limited because there's been a reduction in the amount of size per class. Mm-hmm. So of course, when my wife calls, they tell us that she doesn't have a spot now. So we're like, 
we are super pissed off because we are one of the families that have sent multiple kids there because my daughter, my older daughter was going there. We even sent my older daughter to their camp. So this place has made a lot of money off of us. So now we're talking to all the other families we're friends with and you know, a couple of them are in, one of them was already in, the other one was lucky to get in and then the other one was out and one of the moms I talked to that I went to their son's birthday party with my daughter, they were saying the same thing. They were like, yeah, you know, I don't know what we're gonna do. Like we're kind of screwed on this one because if she has nowhere to go in September, I have nowhere to send her. Right. If she can't get into that school, then I have nowhere to send her. So my wife and I are kind of freaking out. And then today, my wife gets a call from the daycare center basically saying that, oh, it turns out that we have additional positions so we can take her now. So we dodged a bullet, which is a good thing. Yeah. It was just very weird how 24 hours ago we were literally stressed out on where to send my daughter come September. You know, we're not sending her there in the summertime because I'm, I'm not working, so I decided to just keep her home. Yeah. yeah. But without September, nah, the only other option was, what's that? I was gonna say, that's going to be some kind of like roller coaster of like, yeah. like fucking like decision making you and your wife were trying to do for like the past two yeah. days. And the thing is, come September, we still don't even know what the plan is for my older daughter when she goes back to school. There's been talk that they may alternate. They may like they may not have them go in every all five days. May have them go in like two days or three days, and the other two days they stay at home. So it's kind of a mess right now. We don't really know what's going to happen yet. I highly doubt it's going to really come to that in September. Yeah, my guess is that they will probably have this all figured out. They, I, but, I, I would say they would at least have to figure it out by at least the end of July. You yeah. Know? So. And there was that. And then today, like my daughter officially finished school yesterday. So she's done with the second grade. And today was her first day home without doing any work. And you could understand how that went. <laughs> a lot of fighting. Then I'm screaming at them. You know, it was just, I'd had enough, you know? Yeah. And I locked myself in this room where I'm doing the show and I'm telling my wife and I just had, I was like, I told my wife, I've had enough. Like I'm done, you know? And it was only like 1130 in the morning. <laughs> you know we were supposed to go to a friend's house today but then that fell through because the weather wasn't really as good and we decided to move it to tomorrow when the weather's gonna be nicer okay so you can imagine the kind of craptacular day i've had sounds like you got a good day <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not as bad as you losing your car i was gonna say yeah if you want to we want to ask the people who had a worst who had a worst uh last couple of days me or craig we probably, that. probably you <laughs> because like you and i i remember that car from when we did the shows at worldwide and it was a miracle to me how that car made it to Bohemia all the time. God, <laughs> because yeah. you used to always be like, oh, like, first of all, you used to wear headphones in the car. Because I used to see you on the road wearing headphones. And I'm like, yeah. see, can you even hear my horn right now? Well, the, th the thing is with that car, it was just, it was meant to get me from like work, my girlfriends and, and school. And that was really it. You know, when I got the opportunity to work at, <laughs> worldwide it wasn't like i told my parents i'm like yeah i gotta go to bohemia like, bohemia i was like they were like chris i don't think the car's gonna make it to bohemia that car i tell you was probably the toughest i've had that was like the toughest car i've ever seen in my life this like so you know it's a bad thing when even your parents don't think the car is gonna make it to bohemia and there was another time i think i told this this story on the show once before it was we were going to jersey to watch jets camp me and my buddy Mm -hmm. And you know my parents were like, Chris, don't take the car, don't take the car. It's not gonna make it to Jersey. It's not gonna make it to Jersey. I was like, I look, I drive the car all the time. I know it can make it to Jersey. 
My dad was like, Chris, you take that car to Jersey and something happens, don't call me. I am not helping you with whatever happens. I was like, done deal. Nothing's going to happen. Drive to Jersey, get there fine. We watched the Jets. We watched Jets camp. Great mm-hmm. time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like 12 o'clock at night, we're finally on our way home. No problems. And I hear a da-boom. I'm like, wow, that car next to me sounds like shit. I'm like, wait, that's not the car. car. That's that was my transmission back there. That, that, I was like, this, it's my car. So I pulled over to the side of the road. Yeah. My back left tire completely gone. And I'm like, shit. Like, I've never changed a tire before in my life. It took me an hour and a half to figure out how to change the freaking tire. My hand was all scraped up and everything like that. I was like, I told my buddy, I was like, Mike, I'm, we're never. That's why you got to invest in a good jack. Always invest in a good jack. Oh, my God. Like, good jack will so- take you a long way. I we ha- I had a jack in the I had an emergency jack in the car, but it was like I gotta pump it like. Yeah, it's kind of a pain. It's a pain in the ass. Like I've never, luckily, I've never really had that problem before. But, I mean, the last time I had like, well, I for one, like I, I'm like one of those people that I if I, my car broke down, I would not know what to do. Like besides call a tow truck. Yeah. Okay. Um, the only time it happened to me on a highway was when I was coming back from Yankee Stadium with my wife and her brother, and he was driving a Subaru, mm-hmm. and we were, dri- we were on our way home, and all of a sudden, we noticed the car was smoking a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was coming through the uh, vent okay. of the air conditioning and stuff, and we didn't really know what it was, so we had to pull over. We were somewhere on like the Van Wick or the, uh, not the Grand Central Parkway, and when we opened up <laughs> his hood, and... I mean, the smoke just came out, like hit us right in the face. So we knew it was something really bad. And he went to his car, just basically overheated on the highway. Now the car was having a lot of problems for a while. It wasn't really in great shape. And when he went to put water in the radiator to kind of cool it down, right? it literally, within a matter of a second, turned it into steam. And it would look like a tea cat. It looked like you were making tea in like the front, the hood, under the hood of your bro- of her brother's car. And we were just like, okay, well that takes it for that one. So we call a tow truck, and this is where it gets really screwed up. The tow truck comes on the highway and tells us that the farthest it can take us is off the highway. So we have to call another tow truck to pick up the car off the highway. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. So basically, we have to call two tow trucks to take a car from, we were right around where Creedmoor Hospital is, like kind of like that area. Mm-hmm to pick up the car so the guy literally like and the the exit was right there so this guy had the easiest job in the world to just hook the car up take it literally not even a mile and then dump the car on the side of the road and then just takes off (laughs) and then we and and like an ordeal that started literally at 10 o'clock at night did not finish until like 1 30 in the morning yeah that was like me with changing this tire man like it took me like an hour and a half unnecessary and I, like, I'm sitting there, like, I'm literally, like, my back is, like, to the Jersey Turnpike. Like, it's right, it's literally right there on the white line. Yeah. And I'm, like, I was, like, I can't believe the audacity that <laughs> no one would stop and help someone. We're, we're oh, all you can't do that. People. Nobody does it anymore. Oh, you my God. What you're, what, you're in the, what you're in the mood, what, the, what you're going to run into there. Oh, my God. My buddy was just, like, Chris, would you stop? I was, like, no. You're probably right, yeah. And I was, like, at least a cop. You must have drove, driven by at least once. No help at all. Oh, come on, like, bro. I, I was like, You're really asking a lot here. 
and I was going to say, if I didn't know, like, if I didn't see my dad change a tire on a different blazer, like, get the emergency jack, I would have never known there was a jack in my car. I would have never done that. I would have been stranded there. My friends would have had to come pick us up in the Jersey Turnpike. Like, oh, my God, just a shit show. And I was just like, but back my car, toughest car in the world. Like, I love that thing, and I'm so sad it's, it's gone. It's going to be weird driving a new car. Eventually, I mean, I guess whenever you got one or whenever you I get was, like, I was driving that car for three years now. And, and here's the crazy thing: you you broke up with your girlfriend, so that's one destination you don't go to anymore. You don't go to Worldwide anymore with it. Yeah, I know. And now you don't go to school either because you graduated. So outside of the firehouse and your house, you're not going anywhere. Or maybe yeah, to work. I was like, thank. I was like, thank God, I don't have to travel anywhere like crazy far. And I'm lucky enough, like if I do hang out with my friends, they can pick me up. Yeah. So thank, thank God. But right now, I'm in, I'm in the market for a new car. So if any, 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 any of the listeners want to, you know, donate car, cars for Clem, that's going to be the, uh, the new. Sl- try Carvana right now, where they just deliver it like a slot machine to your house, and then you get seven days to, uh, to try it out. <laughs> I was looking at that. I was, I mean, I was on all different websites for the past like 24 hours. Just look, Cars.com, Auto Trader. <laughs> Carfax, Craigslist, Facebook, let go. I was on an Actually, Craigslist is a great place to sell a car because when I I used to have a Ford Focus, I I drive a Rogue now. Okay. And my first car, like the first car I've ever bought, was a Ford Focus. My sister knew a knew a guy who owned a dealership, and he gave me a really really good deal on the car. Car was great, like it really was. It was used. It was primarily as a rental car, mm-hmm. and it didn't have a lot of miles on it. And they gave it, you know, he sold it to me for like basically a cost, which is, you know, pretty much nothing. Right. And um, by the way, if you hear that little thing go off, it's my wife's getting emails. So, um, so getting back to what I was saying, my dad had always wanted to buy me a new car eventually. You know, he just, he just wanted to, I guess, you know, and I wasn't going to say no. So we sold my car, but what we did was we, I used to keep my car fairly clean for the most part. I didn't really trash it too much, but my wife and I just, you know, cleaned it, vacuumed it, vacuumed the trunk, everything. We took pictures of the inside of the car where it was freaking spotless. The trunk. And the fun, the funny thing about Fords was what you didn't know about Fords, whoever who never had a Ford before, at least with my car, they have the, if like, let's say you get like stuck in your trunk, mm-hmm. they have like the pull, the lever to pull oh, yeah. the door. But the funny thing about the lever is it draws, has a picture of a man literally escaping from the trunk. So it's actually like really funny to look at, right? So I take a picture of everything. I put it on Craigslist. I was asking like 3,200. Mm-hmm. Clem, I got, a, I got a call from a guy within 45 minutes. Yeah, people- 45 minutes I got. And this guy was like, really really aggressive really persistent really aggressive and he was super super nice guy too very very nice guy he was just trying to buy a car for his girlfriend you know he wanted to buy a car for his girlfriend right and you know he came to the house he you know he drove you know he drove with his girlfriend to the to the house and everything and he and i remember what i said was so what attracted you to the car he goes it's the first car that i've seen on craigslist that was literally spotless he said, that's what really got me. Uh, like, that's why I wanted it so bad. Because, like, it looks like you took really good care of it. I asked for 32 I got 26 cash. And the guy literally gave me $2,600 in cash in my hand. 
you couldn't ask for something better than that. Yeah. So I sold it. I was like, cause we got to get rid of it. It wasn't going to be driven again. Yeah. And then, you know, and then we, I helped him drive it all the way to, cause he lived in like far Rockway. He lived pretty far from where I lived, but I helped him, you know, I drove it, I followed him and, and the car and everything. And that was it. And I sold it. So if you, Craigslist is a good place to look for cars. Just do your due diligence. Cause you know, there are some shady jerks out there nowadays. Yeah that don't tell you about everything that happened to the car. Like, you know, like we all make fun of, oh, let me see the car facts and everything. Take your, do it. Yeah. Okay. Because trust me, you'll thank, you'll feel better about it at the end of the day. So, all right. Well, enough about talking about Clem's, you know, dead car <laughs> and, and everything. Uh, we got a sports show to do here. And, um, Obviously, I guess the story, well, there's a few stories going around, so we'll try to fire through them really quickly if we can. Um, I was under the assumption that baseball was really close to a deal last night. Now, all of a sudden, it remains to be seen if it's going to happen because the players rejected the union, the latest proposal from the owners. The players countered with a 70-game proposal, and according to some various tweets, it says that that proposal is DOA, right, dead on a rock. Yeah, it was all – from what I heard, it was all smoke and mirrors, this deal. It was, it was – At this point, if you guys cannot get to at least 50% of the hurdle at this point, then we, we – just forget it. I mean, like, I mean, this is just good – because then it's just going to become something that just stays in the news just for the sole purpose of staying in the news. I mean, if the players really want to get back to work, then, the, then they should be pressing the union boss to get a deal done. And, but it's hard to really make what the owners really want out of all this. Maybe the owners are getting some kind of protection that we don't know about, and that's why they're, they're not very big on having a season. Yeah, we, we don't know what's going on behind the doors. All we know is what we're hearing from, from the analysts and the, in the news articles that are coming out. We have no idea what's actually going on behind those closed doors, what the owners are saying, what Manfred's saying, what Tony Clark is saying, what the players are saying. We have no idea. We have no idea. The only thing we know is that players that some players have come out and said, like Pete Alonso have said, I'm ready whenever. Let's get this going. And then you have, you know, Tony Clark and Rob Manfred saying, oh, yeah, we'll have 100% of the season. We might not have a season. And it's just, yeah, we don't, we don't know. I mean, Manfred really stepped in it, to be brutally honest, on Monday. Oh, he absolutely He did. stepped in it big time because he was basically negotiating. What's the word I'm looking for? Oh, he was negotiating in bad faith is what he was doing. Yeah. Because he was building it up. He was even threatening to use, I, I would think, his commissioner power by having put, forcing them to play a season of like 50 games, which is a joke. Even 70 games, in my opinion, is a bit of a joke. But now, all of a sudden, on Monday, he comes out and says, well, now we're not sure if we're going to have a season. And that just set people off left and right. Yeah, because and rightfully so. Because, again, he built it up, and he built it up, and he built it up, and now he's cutting people at the knees. Mm-hmm. And now we have a situation where the players' union probably doesn't feel the owners are being very trustworthy, or maybe Manfred's not being very trustworthy in this whole thing. There's someone who's operating under the table here, and we don't – we again, we don't know what the hell is going on, and it really sucks. Because now you have stories of the owners that are not – you know, the owners are saying – some owners don't want a season to be played this year now because, you know, they've come out and, you know, they're not really saying which owners, but apparently some owners have – voice their displeasure with this whole thing and would prefer not to play a season this year. Um, at this point, if you're lucky, you get a season started on July 19th to run through September. 
Now you have more drama with regards to COVID because Fauci came out and said that if baseball is going to have a season, they need to get it done by the end of September because we get into October. And we kind of knew that was coming. We knew about the possibility of a second wave. We don't know how severe it is. We have, because we're not there yet, but I mean, I would like to think by October, we will have this a little bit more under control with regards to therapeutics. You know, there's a, a lot of time can happen where some drugs may wind up being more effective than we originally thought. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, again, it hasn't really been about the health issue. It's only been about money between the owners and the players. You have not heard players one time say, well, I'm very nervous about playing baseball under these circumstances. You know, if I heard a player, even a guy like Pete Alonzo or even a guy like Max Scherzer or, you know, any guy in a minor league deal, turning around and basically saying, you know what? I don't know if it's worth playing the game for risk of contracting the virus. Right. Then I have a little bit more respect to what's going on, you know, with that. The reason why people aren't really taking this seriously anymore and they think it's a bit of a laughing stock is because no one's expressed concern over the health issues. Mm-hmm. It's all been financial. Like, for example, Max Scherzer will run the same risk of develop, contracting COVID-19 if he makes 50% of his salary or lower than that. So his attitude is, well, if I run the same risk, then I'd rather be making 19 million than 9 million. And that's the problem. That's what's pissing people off more than ever. People are getting frustrated because of the, the, the thinking of it, the optics of it all. Owners know they're going to lose a ton of money. Right. They're prepared, but they're prepared. They have probably those situations. I'm sure they've been in touch with lawyers and banks and all that stuff. So they're, they're not, they're, they're, they're upset and disappointed, but they're not sweating this. They're not sweating this as much. Yeah. It's, it's again, it's just a whole ordeal that we don't know what's going on. Got some breaking news. Got some breaking news. Okay. Make me feel it. Jamal Adams has officially requested a trade from the New York Jets. No way. <laughs> officially requested a trade from the New York Oh, my God. What a freaking baby. He is such a baby. Hey, I, I look, I, now, yeah. I saw the thing that, you know, we were going to get into it eventually, but now that, you know, it just came out. You know, when I saw him come out and make this whole tweet and Instagram, whatever it was, I read it. I'm like, you, he, Honestly, he probably never wanted to be here. He embraced he embraced it at first when he realized that we weren't we weren't winning right away. And now that we're going into year what four under with Jamal Adams, and we haven't still haven't won anything, he's fed up. He's absolutely fed up. And okay, but here's my question: I understand your point, but let's say he winds up going to the Dallas Cowboys. Have they won anything? No. But that no, but that's the point I was trying to I was just trying to make. He's fed up that and you're and I, what I was gonna say is that you're he's a, being a big baby about this whole thing. I've always said that about him. Mm-hmm. And the thing is it's very rare that I that I agree with Mike Francesa because I've always found him to just be nothing more than a blowhard at this point of his career. Yeah. But the fact is is that he wasn't wrong. And the thing is, this is exactly and to see see Jeff fans are now gonna go off the cliff, right? So now they're going to start, you know, oh, Joe Douglas is a terrible general manager, fire Douglas, he's awful, he's awful, he's awful. 
This is not a premier position in the NFL. It's not. It's not. I don't give a shit what Jamal Adams says. I don't care what he makes and all that stuff. Facts are facts. And I'm not going to spend all this money right now on a safety. Okay? And that's what these stupid Jet fans ever understand because it's always the woe is me card. Everything is about, oh, see what I mean? Typical Jets. Same old Jets with the BS and everything like that. Okay? If you're the general manager of the Jets and you have this guy now all over social media bitching and complaining about a trade, about this, bitching and complaining about not getting his deal, how would you feel if you were the general manager? I'd be pissed. I would be pissed. Why would you be pissed, though? Tell me why you'd be pissed. Because this guy's fault. We, we told him we would get a deal done, okay? Just because it's not, you know, right now, right in this second, doesn't mean we're not going to get a deal done. He's very impatient. He want, It's all about me, 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 me with Jamal Adams. And now, he's, now he wants to go off the team. You know what? Good. Go. I don't care. I love Jamal Adams. I, if, you're, if you're listening to this, I loved you. You were my favorite player on the Jets. Uh, you were a great team leader. I loved everything about you. But the way you keep acting like this, the way you acted with the Jets since, you know, two years ago last year, I'm done. I'm done. You want to go? Fine. Go, go, go play on another team. Go win whatever metaphorical championship you want to win. Just not, don't do it here. Don't bring it here. Don't do bring it to this locker room anymore. But it's just like, but I'm tired of him. Like I'm like, and the thing is, look, I don't doubt his ability. I don't doubt his playmaking skills and all that stuff. I really don't. Yeah, neither. I'm tired of the attitude, and I'm tired of this me first crap. In June, for the record, Miles Garrett has not gotten his contract yet. He hasn't gotten his contract. Mahomes has not gotten his contract. The only guy who's from 2017 so far who's gotten a new deal is Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. That's it. And a lot of people think that that deal is kind of crazy for him because nobody invests that kind of money in a running back. But again, I'm tired. I'm tired of Jamal Adams and his bullshit. I'm sick of dealing. I'm, I hate the prima donna attitude of Jamal Adams. And like I said, I've always thought he's overrated. I'm not wrong when I say that. Because everybody got an erection because, oh, he made the Pro Bowl twice a year. Who cares? Who gives a shit about the Pro Bowl? So he gets a free trip to Hawaii to play half-ass football. That's what he gets. He had a nice little run with sacks against the Giants and the Redskins. Okay? He's not the most consistent player in the NFL. And that, and I think Jet fans completely overrate him because the first thing they do is turn around and say, well, we don't, you know, we, we never keep our superstars. Is he really a superstar? Because I, mean, I might be able to just peg that money on Marcus May and say, I'd rather have Marcus May. I think Jet fans, like I said, and I said this, I think, a couple weeks ago, I think Jet fans just see the potential in this guy, see how good he actually is and how he can be one of the best not only safeties in the league, but one of the def- best defensemen in the league. They see that in him. And, you know, when they hear the na- – and now this is all going to go – all Jeff fans are going to turn on Douglas. They're going to be like, oh, my God, how can you – Oh, know? they already have. They already have. It's, our, it's already over. But, like, and, but, and this is what I liked about, I liked about Joe Douglas. He's not going to let the, play, the players tell him what to do. Okay, he's going to run this organization like he believes he's going to run this organization. He's going to sign the players. He's going to draft the players. He's going to do whatever he wants to make sure this team is 100%. And I love that about Joe Douglas, okay? And, I, and I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, when, it, when 
when it comes to these GMs, you want to see what kind of moves they want to make, you know, like, and the first thing that Joe Douglas did this when he got hired is, hey, we're going to address the O-line. What was the first thing he did? Address the O-line. Signed like 9,000 offensive linemen. That's yeah. fantastic. Loved it. Okay. Did, with the wide receiver position, did he not address so much? Yeah, not as much, but he got some decent players in there. He got Perryman. He got uh, – He's two totally – okay. Let me just stop you there. I'm not trying to – I don't mean to punch you. Fine, fine. Okay. It was two different ways of thinking under two GMs. McCagnan was not very big into the draft. Yeah. McCagnan did, did a horrible draft. I mean, he, and I mean, the more I see it, the more I'm – you know, I was wrong in thinking that McCagnan wasn't a bad general manager. I mean, you really see how bad the GM, like the, the drafts were in the middle rounds. Yeah, it's very easy to hit. Like, for example, I liked the pick of Quinn and Williams last year, mm-hmm. but that wasn't what we needed. Yeah. We didn't need another lineman. I know Quinn and Williams was the best defensive lineman in the draft and everything, but I would have rather used that pick on a guy like Josh Allen. Yeah, absolutely. As a pass rusher, because we need a pass rusher. We have linemen. There were plenty of linemen in that that we had currently on the roster with Steve McClendon, Henry Anderson, Fatu Kazi, um, Nathan Shepard. All those guys were rotating in. Kyle Phillips turned out to be an undrafted free agent success story for the Jets. Yeah. I'm not saying that the Quentin Williams pick is a bad pick, but it's not a necessity. Yeah, it wasn't a necessity. McCagnum was very big on best player available, didn't care, where, didn't care what position. So McCagnan wasn't the type of guy who drafted out of need. See, Douglas at least drafts out of need. He knows from what watching all last season, the first thing that needed to be fixed was the O-line because Sam Darnold was not going to play more than five years behind that horrible offensive line. Now, look, is the line leaps and bounds better? On paper, it is. But we haven't seen them on the field yet, so we don't really know how good they're going to be. But again... This is the shit that pisses me off about Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams, great player, always pretends to be this leader. He's a phony-ass leader. That's what he is. He's a phony leader. Because he goes out and, he, and we, all, we all talk about how passionate he is on the field. Oh, Jamal Adams is one of the most passionate players I've ever seen. Hates to lose. Okay, so do a lot of people. I mean, like, for God's sakes, it's just like, I, I'm like – I'm so over this guy because he's just been bitching and complaining since last year. How dare you offer me in trade talks to the Dallas Cowboys? And the Dallas Cowboys did that on purpose. They totally leaked that information Mm -hmm. just to piss him off because they knew he'd be pissed off and they knew he wanted to go to Dallas. So the Cowboys leaked that info onto, it wasn't the Jets that leaked that. That was the freaking Cowboys. Yeah. And we're right back to where we started. So Jamal, Joe Douglas says he wants Jamal Adams to be a Jet for life. Yeah. You know how many general managers say that about players all the time? Yeah, we want him here. We really want him here or whatever. It's not like, do you really think Joe Douglas is going to come out and say, well, we don't want Jamal Adams. We're going to trade him. No, he's not going to say that. But you see how Jet fans are? They freaking turn on the guy the minute a player is not happy. Yep. yep. Absolutely. That's exactly why this fan base sucks. They suck because they have no faith in – listen, I know the Jets have put people through the ringer for so many years. I I know. And I can understand people's concerns, you know, people being frustrated every year because they just want to go to the playoffs and all that stuff. I don't blame them for that. And, yes, they've made some questionable moves. 
But I mean, Jamal Adams knows what he's dealing with here. He knows what he can do. But he's such a freaking baby about everything. It's one thing if like, okay, I'm going to wait it out or wait out. Clint, this didn't even go two weeks and he's already complaining. Yeah. It started two weeks ago where he was, where he was mad that they hadn't talked yet. And then all of a sudden he sees the Miles Garrett post. By the way, Miles Garrett has not signed an extension yet. All it said was it could be a possible extension, a lucrative extension. And he's a pass rusher. He's a pass rusher. Pass rushers are in 10 times more demand than a safety. Now, the problem is trading him now makes no sense Mm -hmm. because the draft is over and free agency is gone. So if you're trading him now, you're just trading him for 2021, which is fine. If you, really, if you can get a deal to, you know, to fleece, plus there's a lot of talk. Listen, we don't even know if there's going to be a season. Yeah. We, there's not going to be fans in the arenas, which means the owners are going to get hit over the head. The NFL is going to lose money left and right. On, you know, they'll have the TV deal. But right now, we don't even know if there's going to be a season. Because, oh, by the way, Ezekiel Elliott, Four players on the Texans all tested positive last week for COVID. Now you have a couple of players from the University of Colorado who tested positive for COVID. It's out there still. And now coaches are starting to get a little scared and want the season pushed back because of COVID. See, that's what we all forget in this time of racial injustice and everything. We forget that there's a virus out there that's still getting people infected and still killing people. Right. There's a lot of talk that next year, the salary cap may be very low. So teams are really starting to hold back on spending money because they want to piggy carry it over to next year. I had a feeling, I had a feeling this was going to happen eventually because ever since last year, when he was starting that BS about like how hurt and distraught he was that how dare you trade me? Like, who do you think you are? I would have told Jamal Adams, go fuck off. It's like, who are you to tell me how to run the football team? Right. That's the problem. That's the problem with guys like Jamal Adams. They think they're bigger than the team. I'm good. They're bad. Without me, your team sucks. That's exactly what he's thinking in this whole thing. Absolutely. And Jet fans who love him up and down are going to be like, oh, my God, of course. You know, now Jamal Adams wants to be traded in. You know, Joe Douglas sucks. He promised us this. He promised that. He didn't promise you nothing. He has a plan. And the problem is, is that if you veer from the plan, everything goes, everything goes bad. Mm-hmm. He has to stop everything he's doing now to negotiate a long-term deal, which is going to make Jamal Adams the highest paid safety in the NFL. I mean, do you want to sit here on a team that needs a pass rusher, that could use some cornerback help. And you want to sit here and say, well, we have the highest paid safety in the NFL. And yes, I know Greg Williams used him as a pass rusher a little bit more frequently as like an outside linebacker last year. But I mean, at the same time, it's just like, why are you so impatient? What is the deal? Get on the phone with, get your agent on the phone with Douglas and say, what's the deal? What's going on? You know, can we talk about a contract for Jamal? This whole this, this this thing as if look, I'm excited to see who we who and what we get. 
now for the season. We might we might get that other wide receiver we might need. We might get uh, the pass rusher. We still we still we don't have in the another outside linebacker. Maybe and here, here's the best part: Dallas doesn't even want him. They can't pay him. That's why they have to pay Dak. But they still have him. Dak is more of a priority than Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is not a priority in Dallas. They've already paid Zeke. They've already played. They've already paid Amari Cooper. Now they got to pay Dak. So Jamal Adams is a non-factor. So the team you wanted to go to, you know, because you want to go to the freaking Cowboys, because like they've really won anything in twenty years. <laughs> so here's my thing. You know what, Joe D, trade him, get rid of him, get him off the freaking team. I don't want him on the team if he doesn't want to be here. And Jeff fans can go cry and cry and cry all they want. Oh, the franchise is a disgrace. And they listen to ass bags like Joe Beningo, you know, go on and on and on and on because that's what Joe Beningo does, right? All he does is bitch and complain about the Jets because that's all he knows how to do. I love trades. And if you think for a minute that Joe Douglas is going to get fleeced on a deal for Jamal Adams, then you're an idiot. You're an idiot. This guy is cut from a different cloth. He's not McCagney. You can rest assured that if a team wants Jamal Adams right now on a team-friendly deal, plus the possibility of franchising him for two years, you can rest assured Joe D's getting a lot for him. Mm -hmm. He's not going to take some bullshit deal. It's going to be multiple draft picks and a player. Trade him out of the AFC then. Trade him to the NFC. Yeah, it's look, I it's I'm sad to see him go, but he's got to go. And I'm just I'm just, I just want I want to I, I I'm just tired of the crybaby whining. It's yep. all the whining. And the thing is he is just like Jet fans. And Jet fans are tired of him too. A lot of Jet fans, if you if you watch him on Twitter, they're they're tired. They're done. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And like when this first started coming out, like he wanted a new deal, I was like, yo, we got to pay this man, pay this man, pay this man, pay this man. Then when we got Joe Douglas in here, and I knew the I'm started to learn about the kind of GM Joe Douglas was. I was like, all right, he's not gonna have, he's not gonna be strong armed by any by any of the players to like who demanding stuff. And the more I kept hearing about Jamal just coming out and saying, I want this, I want this, I want it now, I want it now, me, 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 I was getting sick and tired of it. And as much as I loved Jamal Adams, he was my favorite player on the team, as much as I loved him, I was getting sick of it. I'm sick of hearing all the, oh, I need the contract now. Christian McCaffrey's getting the contract, got a contract, where's mine? Miles Garrison talks with the contract, where's my contract? I was sick and tired of it. I was done. Had up to here. I'm done. I was done with it. The thing is, Clem, it's June. We're still in June. So basically the day after the draft, we have to give Jamal Adams a contract because if not, he's going to be a big baby on Twitter and everything. And he made himself look like a bigger douche on Twitter when, when a fan called him out on. Somebody had called him out and it basically related it to Pat Mahomes. The difference is Pat Mahomes won a Super Bowl. And an MVP. And Jamal Adams is sitting there whining and complaining about a, about a new contract. Yeah. Maybe it's time to move on. See, but this is the thing that pisses me off about him. If you want out of New York, then just freaking say that you want out of New York and stop playing this game. Stop trying to pretend that you want to be here. Stop trying to pretend that you're, like, you're all in on the Jets. Because if you really wanted out, then you should have said that in the offseason and we would have, they would have traded him in the offseason before the draft when it really would have gotten them more, a ton of draft capital and a player. Yep. 
That's how much of an asshole he really is. Because he sits there and he goes on and on about how great he wants, he wants to be a Jed and I want to be here for life and blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, he throws a temper tantrum because he's been talked about in a deal with Dallas. Then it's in the offseason. He starts whining about a deal in the offseason. Then he starts whining again right after the draft. Then he starts whining again three days ago. And now we have a situation where now all of a sudden he's demanding to be traded. The guy's a complete douchebag. He's a douchebag. I don't care how good he is on the field anymore. He's a douchebag. Because quite frankly, he's not making the Jets any better. But you see what I mean, though? The Jets are a bad team, but not Jamal. No, not Jamal. Jamal played no part in the Jets being terrible. Jamal played zero role in the Jets being, you know, in the Jets being terrible. Nope, it was everybody else, not Jamal. Jamal Adams, and nope, not me. I could think of a few times where he probably got burned in coverage in his first couple of years here. Yeah, okay, he made the Pro Bowl. I don't care about the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl means nothing to me. Why do I care? Half the players who make the Pro Bowl in the beginning back out anyway. Big deal. You made the All-Star game. I don't see you leading the Jets to a, to a freaking playoff berth. I don't see you leading the Jets to the, to the Super Bowl or anything like that. I don't see you leading the Jets to a winning record. Oh, Todd's my guy. Remember how Todd Bowles, he was like, oh, Todd's my guy. I'm going to ride or die with Todd. See what I mean, bro? No accountability on Jamal Adams. Nope. That's not what a leader does. No, not him. He's supposed to be the big defensive captain, right? Yeah, I'm just, again. You know, get out of New York. Get him out of here. I don't give a crap where he goes at this point. And this is exactly why. And, I, and the whole time in the back of my mind, I kept saying, Jamal Adams is going to get traded. Jamal Adams is going to get traded eventually. Maybe this is what Douglas wants. I don't know. I don't know what Douglas wants. I can't sit here and, you know. And I'm sure tomorrow Maida will put an article out saying it's Gase's fault. You know, it's Gase's fault that Jamal Adams wants out. You can rest assured tomorrow Maida, that dickwad will spin it. He'll spin it to make it look like it's Adam Gase's fault that Jamal Adams wants out. Yeah. You know, team went seven and nine under Gase in his first year. Where the hell were they under Todd Bowles? See, nobody wants to talk about that, right? It's no. all Gase's fault. Yeah. I mean, like, this is what I'm talking about. I'm just, I'm so over this guy. Like, I really am. The guy's a clown. He always has been. He's a great player, but he has, and I am so sick of people giving him a pass for his emotions. People, reporters, left and right, whether it was Samini, whether it was Bob Glauber who did it one time, everybody gives him a pass because he's passionate. You can't mistake, you know, he's a passionate guy. That's what he is. No, he's not a passionate guy. He's a crybaby. That's exactly what he is. He's a crybaby. You know, it's funny. Your favorite, your favorite writer, Maida, already wrote an article for the Daily News. And it was just basically, I just, I just briefed through it. Just going over, you know, like, oh, Jamal Adams, you know, best player. Did this, 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 and this. Talked about how Joe Douglas, uh, you know, want, said he wanted to make him a Jet for life. This is what Maida said at the end. He's basically blaming Douglas. The Jets' actions have not reflected any desire to take care of their best player. Yeah, because he kisses their ass. That's why. He did that to Le'Veon. Remember that? Mm -hmm. He basically, in not too many words, on the back page of the Daily News was saying Gase doesn't know what the hell he's doing because he was kissing Le'Veon Bell's ass. Yep. Now he's kissing Jamal Adams' ass because, you know, that's what Maida does. Maida's a big kiss ass. That's what he's always been. 
All, all I'm saying is we just got to fleece whatever team we trade him to, get a pass rusher, get a couple. Of, I, I need at least – I need a first round. When, whatever trade we're doing, we need a first round pick. From I don't care what it is. We need a first round pick. You know, but of course it's kind of funny because it says I have more relationship issues with Jamal than all my exes combined. You're believing Manish Mehta grow up. Send him to Jacksonville for Yannick. And why should I believe Mr. Quote, Logan Ryan is signing with the Jets? This is all the people commenting on Mehta's article, by the way. Oh, like I said, fleece him. We need we need players. Get him get it, let's get the pass rusher. Let's get a let's get a first round draft pick and let's just be over with it. I don't even care what the deal is at this point. We just got to rob whatever team we trade them to. I'm just saying it's like this is where he wanted to go, right? It's all calculated. That's the sad part about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. If he really wanted to be a Jet for life, then he'd be waiting. You know, okay, I know my day's coming. I really like love New York. I want to be here. I want to be here. I want to be here. Right. Every step he's taken so far has told me a totally different story. Well, he doesn't like to lose. So what? No one likes to lose. Miles Garrett is in Cleveland. You think Miles Garrett gives a shit about losing after the contract he gets? See what I mean? It's, it's all bullshit. It's all like, I hate that logic. You wouldn't give a rat's ass if they sign about losing if you sign with the Jets tomorrow. Okay. And the thing is, like, again, it's just like the same crap, crap. And every step he's taken to me to this point only tells me that he has no desire to be in New York. He doesn't like Joe Douglas because he thinks that Joe Douglas is already, you know, is shady. That's exactly what it is. I'm surprised made it and spin it into Gase's fault. I'm, I'm really, that'll be tomorrow. He hasn't, he hasn't. He hasn't built it up yet enough. But tomorrow he'll write a Gase article about it. And the thing is, again, it's just, it's the same crap. Good. I hope you do trade him. I hope you do. I hope, and I guarantee you, you will get a lot for him. You think you're going to get what stupid Bill O'Brien got for DeAndre Hopkins? Trust me, you'll get a lot more than that. The thing that sucks is it's right after the draft. Yeah. So that's the thing that kind of burns you because you could have used, if you had done this in the beginning, then you could have had the picks for this year's draft. I think, you know, also speaking of the 2020 draft, I think Douglas kind of saw this forecoming in the back of his mind. That's why they drafted Ashton Davis. Honestly, I really think, I really think probably felt it was going to get a little out of control. Yeah, he did. And that, you know, he had to be secure and God forbid, you know, Jamal Adams does walk, or we don't sign, or we trade Marcus May. I'll, I'll tell you right now, if you want to see what's going to be a douche move by Douglas, and I hope he does it because I just want to stick it to Jamal Adams so bad, he will trade Adams, and then he will franchise Marcus May and work on a new deal for him. I yep. guarantee it. Yep. Absolutely. He's not going to let both those guys go. No, no way. Now, listen, I love Marcus May. Marcus May last year had his first full season healthy, and he was very good. He is. He was very, very good. The only thing that concerns me about Marcus May is the injuries because they've, they've, the first couple of years were not great for him because of the injuries. But last year he played a full season. I thought he was fantastic. You could even argue he was a better ball-hawking safety than freaking Jamal Adams was. You know, and if Jamal Adams, you know, I mean, if Jamal Adams really wants to, you know, make a statement too, there's one safety out there who can come in right away and replace Jamal Adams. He's a free agent still. 
That's Eric Reed. Yeah. Eric Reed is out there. You're making a statement by signing Eric Reed because he's part of the Colin Kaepernick taking a kneel ordeal. And you, if you sign him to a, whatever kind of contract, say $7 million contract <laughs> you sign him to, replace, you're replacing Jamal Adams right there. I like Eric Reed. I think, he's, I think he's always been a great player. He's an LSU guy, too, which even sucks more for Jamal Adams. You go out and sign him, no big deal. It's just a joke. And like I said, and now you see what it is. This is a fairly simple thing. All the steps Adams has taken since last year to now, just tell me he has no desire to be in New York. Absolutely. No, no, no desire. Okay. It's been so long. Yeah. Like he just doesn't have any desire to build, you know, a team with Douglas in New York. That's just what, I mean, if I'm judging it by that, it's the best way I can judge it. I can't judge it any other way. Yep. You know? But that's not Douglas's fault, and that's not Gase's fault. And, of course, he has to make this crap public. Like, he doesn't know how to just quietly talk to the, to the GM and say, hey, what are we doing? You know, should I be nervous or whatever? This reminds me a lot of the Tavares bullshit. You know, when Tavares was like, they were ready to trade him because they weren't, you know, they weren't sure if they were going to bring him back. Tavares swore up and down he's going to be an Islander and then totally screwed the team and went to Toronto. Like, I could see him coming out publicly and, like, bashing the Jets saying, oh, yeah, we're going to get a deal done, like, this date or whatever. Like, you know, like say, May 10th. May 10th. We're going to get a deal done by May 10th. You know, a month, a month has gone by. You don't have a deal. All right. I could see you coming out and saying, you know, Joe, Joe, where's, where's my contract? I could see him, you know, complaining a little bit like that or at least saying, you know, hey, we're going to sign you a contract when they really have no intentions of signing him. Joe, I think Joe Douglas has the intentions of signing him. Just got to be patient, man. I think Joe Douglas genuinely wanted to sign him, but it's on his terms. Yeah. Jamal Adams holds very few cards in this whole thing. That's why he's being such a punk about it. He's being a punk. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what he's being. And he knows it. He knows he has zero leverage. He knows he has zero leverage. The only thing he can do at this point is hold out. That's it. He can't do anything else. He can't, he, he can't walk as a free agent for another three years because the Jets can just franchise him. There's nothing he can do right now. He's stuck. Yep. And I don't disagree with the fact that he, can, he should get paid, but it doesn't have to be today. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be tomorrow. The Jets can just say, well, let's see how you do in 2020, and then we'll talk contract in 2021. Yeah. You know, but that's what he does. And this is the only leverage he has. Only leverage. This is it. Okay, now I'm going to ask for a trade because you guys aren't catering to my every win. Screw the team. I want mine. And, it's all, and the thing is, he says, that, he says what everybody else says. I'm looking out for myself. Well, thanks for telling me. Thanks for finally admitting the truth. You know? I hope Douglas trades him. Damn. You know, you got, you know, Jeff fans can whine and bitch and moan all they want. That's some of them, that's all they're really good at doing anyway. They serve, they serve little to no purpose with the bitch and complain. But we'll see how it goes. This could just be him being a, being a bitch. And I think he is a bitch, to be very honest. I hope he hears this, too. Because I just think he's a, he's a jerk. Like, I, I cannot believe, like, he's actually, two days after this whole thing, he's like, oh, my feelings are hurt. I got to be traded. You know, I, I should be getting a deal before Garrett. Or Mahomes, you know? It's like, who cares? Ugh. Like I said, I'll just leave it at that. He will 
this is what he wanted. This is every step of the way. This is what he wanted. So good riddance. You know, it sucks that it has to be this way, but too many years this team has had me first players and people demanding contracts and, and everything. And then it's about, oh, we got to take care of our own. Of course, Maida would kiss his ass. Maida kisses everybody's ass. Never, it's never the player's fault. It's always the owner. It's always the, it's always the uh, general manager. Or it's always Adam Gase's fault. Yeah. You are aware that Adam Gase ruined Ryan Tannehill, right? <laughs> you heard that one, right? Oh, my gosh. So, all right. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, yes. Quiz time. Ah, Clem's qu- quiz of the day. All right. Since the Money Bank match started, how many, how many people have won the Money in the Bank but had had failed cash-ins? And can you name them? Okay, I'm going to say two. More than two. More than two. Okay. More than two. Um, all right. Well, I know that two. I know Cena was one. Cena was one of them. Yes. And Baron Corbin was another. Baron Corbin was another. Yes. Um. The other one you. The, say four. How many? Three. There's four. Was four. Okay. Uh, who else cashed? Men's or women's or both? Men. Okay, men. Um, the other there's two how long ago last year and four years ago no didn't Lesnar cash in his already Lesnar was one of the guys not Lesnar no maybe, That's two, what I'm saying. maybe, maybe not last year then two years ago then my bad two, two, two and five years ago Seth Rollins Five years ago. Five years ago was what, 2015? Yes, 2014, I think it was. Let me, let, me, let me check just to be sure. Let me get the year for you. 2013. I would try to think it was in the Federation in 2014. 2002, okay, it was 2013. Were they heels or faces? He might have been. This guy was a face. In 2014? 13, yeah. 13? Yeah, uh, 2013 and 2018. I'll say Rey Mysterio. No. All right, give it to me. I, I, I won't know. All right, the one that you should have two years ago was Braun Strowman. He had the – wow, he won the money in the bank? I don't remember that too well. He won the money in the bank, and, cha- and he used it to challenge Brock Lesnar, like extreme rules or something like that. Okay. And the one in 2013 was you probably were, you weren't gonna get this one. It was Damian Sandow. Oh God, yeah, I would have never got Damian Sandow. Yep, he would never got that. He had the briefcase and failed cash in. <laughs> Thank you for taking my mind off the Jamal Adams drama. <laughs> um, all right, well, Clem stumped the stumped me today, so yeah, and I got two of them. It's not too bad. It's fifty percent. <laughs> so, um, okay, for me, real quickly. WWE had a, had a wrestler or a performer test positive for COVID-19, so they had to suspend taping. And uh, Kevin Owens is now one of the wrestlers who has decided not to participate because for fear of contracting the virus. And listen, this is the problem right now that's going on in Florida, dude. Florida has seen a you – know you know how many cases Florida had today? I saw the other day it was like an astronomical number, and I was like, whoa. 
it was probably bigger. Today it was over 3,200. Yeah, I think the other day I was like, I think it was like 20 or something, maybe. I mean, um, 2,000 or something like that, maybe. Now, look, who knows what the reasoning is? I'm not going to sit here and start saying, oh, well, you opened early and that's a problem. But I'm sure that played a role in it a little bit. I mean, I guess it's a combination of both. Maybe it's a little bit on the testing side, but it's also the fact of people going out and being stupid. And they're not wearing masks and they're all getting, you know, this and that and that's it. So SmackDown is now not airing tomorrow. They're not airing a new episode tomorrow because of what happened a few days ago. And Vince is basically still moving, moving ahead. They already started doing Raw and NXT tapings and all that stuff. And now Vince is taking more of an active interest in NXT, which explains that horrible ending to NXT last night with Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. You want to know? Yes. So Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox fought Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, that the is. Titles. And Shotzi Blackheart had, had Bailey, I think, had Sasha Banks in a submission. Bailey tried to come in with a chair. And I think Tegan, the ref was distracted with Tegan Knox and everything. And when that happened, Bailey kind of flipped it and had Sasha Banks put her in the bank statement and, and Sasha Banks won. And it was just like a terrible ending to the match. Like it was a terrible ending. Because again, it just shows you that they're just going to start doing the rinse and repeat with the title holders. Right. So, but, um, so yeah, so this is what, you know, we're still dealing with right now. I mean, we're in the middle to the end of June and we're still dealing with COVID cases. The numbers are still going up. States are now being heavily affected. I mean, I know Trump is doing his rally in Tulsa on Saturday. People don't, the, the, the health officials are like, well, all right. I, I mean, they're basically saying we don't, we don't think it's a good idea, but whatever. Not like we're going to, we're not going to be able to convince you otherwise. So, but. I don't blame Kevin Owens, honestly, for sitting out. Take care of your health first. Take care of your health. I don't, I don't, look, as much as I love Kevin Owens, I want him to be on my TV every week. You do you first. This is a pandemic we're going through. But the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests have made us forget about COVID. Yeah. And that's why people aren't really talking about it. Now in New York, while everybody was getting on Governor Cuomo, facts are we're doing really well. Things are really good now. Things are better to the point where we're going to jump into phase three next week on Long Island, which is a huge, which is huge. Of course, they're the people you can't please everybody in this world. So there are plenty of people who are still pissy about it. But the fact is, is he's being, he's sticking to the plan. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. Yeah. You know, some governors in some states immediately opened because, you know, Trump was telling them to in many ways. They're, you know, that, that's a fact. But since we're a very large city, we need to take better precautions. Yeah. Look, as long as the bars open up sooner than later, I'll be happy. That's it. That's all I want. The bars Listen, open. It's a fairly simple solution. You go with a mask, you poke a hole in the front of it so you can drink your beer like, you know, the new trendy way to drink a beer. Through a straw. There we go. <laughs> Just like they do in Penn Station when they order the large beers at the, uh, at the little uh, pop-up delis and everything at, when it's uh, at night. I, I got a quick question. You might know the answer to this. Why, when you go to a, a Mets game, a Jets game, whatever, when you, when you order a beer, they just take the cap off and take it? I want the cap. Um, because, honest to God? Yeah. Okay. The reason is, is because anybody can put, like, they could piss in it, cap it up, and throw it on the field. Oh, my God. Is that the reason? Yeah, fans are that stupid. 
answer your question. If that's again. the case, then I get it. I was like, that's fine. But I was like, literally, sometimes like I'm walking with my beer, and I'm like, I just, I just want a cap. I don't want to hold it. It's like I need, I need to put a cap. Well, you got city filled. They pour it out. They don't give you. They don't just give you the beer. Sometimes when I, uh, well, so yeah, well, maybe I forgot where I was. Maybe it wasn't City Field. Maybe it was. Uh, well, maybe I went to a. Gym. I used to work at the Hammerstein Ballroom. We used to pour out everything, water, beer. It didn't matter. We poured out everything. And a lot of times that's because, well, for us, it was at the band's request Mm -hmm. because, you know, people get drunk and they get stupid. Listen, I'll tell you a story. One time I was at a concert. I remember clear as day. It was the very first time I saw Eminem at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And the DJ was playing and he, he was okay. He wasn't really great, but he was, he was okay. And somebody threw what looked like a shoe at the stage, scratched the guy's record. Because you heard it. You heard the shoe hit the record and it scratched. Right? Or you heard whatever it was. It looked like a shoe from where I was standing. People are dumb, man. That's the best I can give you. Like, and you could take that however you want, or people could take that however they want, but I'm not wrong. I've seen way too many dumb people in this world do stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is nothing different. So they, people used to get mad at us all the time. Oh, why, did, why do you pour it out? I'll just take the can. No, because if you throw a can at a guitar player, it hurts. Yeah, I bet. No, with enough velocity, you can give the guy a concussion. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. I was just like, I was like, man, I want the cap on this. Like, I never get the cap. Or, or what is it? The sodas. That's what it is. Soda sometimes. Yeah, you go to like, when you go to like the national, the, no, the now, <laughs> the form of the art, the arena formerly known as NYCB Live. Right. Um, we... They, they tell you, like, oh, we have to take the cap. And I'm just like, whatever, I, I could care less. You know, not like I'm going to, what do I care? I'm going to, like, what am I going to do? I'm going to throw the bottle at Roman Reigns when he's coming down the ring. Do you think it's really going to get there? So, but no, that's pretty much the main reason. When we did it, when I worked at Hammerstein Ballroom, that was the main reason was because the bands, the bands would tell, would, would, the bands would give the instructions to Live Nation who would give the instructions to us. Okay. We were not allowed under any circumstances to give, give out bottles you know i remember the first time like the last time i used to like i was kind of a people used to be kind of dicks at the end of each concert we would close up and then people would all of a sudden want water because they were they were standing in front the whole time yeah so this kid was being such an asshole because i was like i said listen man we're closed i can't make any sales like once we're closed we're closed go outside and get a bottle of water right and he's like He's like, oh, I can't get a, I can't get a, you know, an ice or whatever. And I'm like, no, dude, we're closed. Like we're closing up and the ice is kind of dirty because we've been putting cups in there the whole time. He goes, can I just get like tap water? Literally, I did this. <laughs> because the kid was just being like such a, like he was just being an ass. Like I'm like, just go, get out of here. You know, like, yeah. cause we're, you know, the registers are off. I'm not giving you anything. I have bosses. Why is it so hard for you guys to just admit, just say, accept it and go right outside and buy a bottle of water from the five hot dog vendors that are waiting to like take your money. You know? So, yeah, that's it. It's kind of ridiculous, but I understand it to an extent. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us for the Moffat on the Mic show for today. Um, everybody has always followed my show on Instagram at Moffat on the Mic, Twitter at Moffat on the Mic, and my Facebook page as well. Uh, just to let you guys know on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Clem just downloaded the interview we did with the lovely Christine Wendt from Monday and we had a lot of fun talking to her about sports, the pandemic and all that stuff and um, subscribe to her network. And our interview was actually on there as of today. 
So uh, definitely uh, give her give her a shout out. Subscribe to her network. You know she has a lot of cool stuff on there. Um, follow the A One Sports Network as always on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Clint, thank you for holding it down like you normally do. And um, that's pretty much it. So on behalf of the People's Producer, Chris Klim, I am Craig Moffat. This has been the Moffat on the Mic Show. Everybody, wherever you are, stay safe out there. Have a great day. Getting closer and closer to a little bit of normalcy. So let's just kind of take it little by little. It's a frustrating time for some. And let's just support people the best way we can as whenever, however we can do it. All right, everybody, take care of yourself. Have a great rest of the day. And we'll be back again very soon.